have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chickie Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is Common Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, um, <coughs> excuse me, Facebook, back on YouTube, iHeart, uh, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, I don't know, half a dozen other places. Just go to the name of the show, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the least most, just the radio chickadee, Annie, along with my courageous co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. <coughs> excuse me. I'm still recovering from the the flu. I don't have it. I hear. Uh, yeah, it's still it's staying in my lungs. It, it's not yes. the flu. It's just whatever happened caused some lung damage, and I'm waiting to do a talk to a pulmonologist to see if we can clear this up. It's not as bad as before. It's easing up, but they said I'll have a call for at least a month after getting rid of the flu. Just it's, it's a remnant, just sticking around and sticking in my craw, anything to drive me just, crazy. Just, if you're just lingering. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're watching on YouTube or in Facebook or any other video outputs, I have to apologize because something has happened to my computer and a camera that was working so beautifully for so long is kind of a little sketchy. We're trying to work out the kinks. We thought we had the new format up and working last night. Curtis and I did a test run through, and we still have a major glitch we still have to overcome. But we're getting there. We're getting there. We're no longer a year away or months away. We're a matter of maybe a few weeks away. So we'll see if we can get that one worked out. So we'll have a lot better feed, and you'll get a better quality show, and it'll be so much more fun. But anyway, we got ourselves a jam-packed show tonight. Um, we've got Dr. Carol Lieberman returning, 
Uh, she's known as American Psychiatrist, and she's the host of the Terrorist Therapist, a podcast. She's also a forensic psychologist, uh, expert witness, and author of the five-time award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists. Oh, my. How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And then we have coming back on the show from the Heritage Foundation, uh, E.J. Antoni. He's a research uh, fellow at the Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget. And, oh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about with these two people. <coughs> and if you notice, our show is shorter. I've gone from the four-hour format to only an hour and a half. It's a little bit easier on my life. <coughs> Hopefully we'll get a lot more people encouraged to listen to us since we're not going to be for four, three long, boring hours. So we'll have some fun. Yeah, we don't right. we don't have boring hours. <laughs> <laughs> we have challenging hours. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But uh, we do have a lot to talk about. And word is there may be another indictment coming out against Trump oh. uh, just in time uh-huh. for uh, Biden to snub the 9-11 memorial. Um, it'll be now 22 years this Tuesday. And uh, Biden's going to be in Alaska or somewhere else, but definitely not anywhere near ground zero. Not in Shanklin, not in Pennsylvania, and not in Manhattan. What a president. What a president we got. And uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, where's the indictments for um, the Biden camp? Keep hearing about Trump. I mean, he didn't do anything. Yeah. This guy, I mean, you could write a murder mystery over this guy and his, his dealings and his son. Uh, Not one indictment. Uh, well, uh, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen and what's what's up uh, down the road. We'll see what's going to go on. Anyway, like I said, we got ourselves a jam-packed show. want to thank everyone that's uh, listening and watching in in our chat room, as well as over at Facebook and back up on YouTube. Matter of fact, I'm looking at my smiling face. <laughs> I don't know why anyone else wants to look at it. <laughs> anyway, those that listen to our show, Nardo know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to Sergeant Heather Glenn of Tell City Police Department in Indiana. Her end of watch was Monday, July 3rd of this year. And this is from Linda in the Hancock Clarion. And I also have from Deja Stowe from wishtv.com. And I also have from the news staff at 14news.com. And we start off with, on Monday morning around 1 a.m. July 3rd, Tell City's Sergeant Heather Glenn was shot and killed during her investigation at Perry County Memorial Hospitals. Officers with the Perry County Police Department, Perry County Sheriff's Office, and Canelton Police Office responded to a dispute that occurred at Perry County Memorial Hospital. 
Cal City Sergeant Heather Glenn was investigating a domestic dispute between a female victim who was involved in a domestic incident with a 34-year-old Sean Hubert of Tell City. The victim was at Perry County Memorial Hospital for her injuries when Sergeant Glenn spoke to the victim. Sergeant Glenn and other officers left the hospital looking for Hubert. Early Monday morning, the victim told hospital staff that Hubert was heading to the hospital. Tell City Police, Perry County Sheriff's Office, and Canelton Police responded back to the hospital. Sergeant Glenn made contact with Hubert and attempted to arrest him. He refused to comply. She tried to use the taser on him, but it was ineffective. During a struggle, Hubert pulled out a gun and shot Sergeant Glenn. Officers returned fire and shot Hubert. Both passed away at the scene from their injuries. Sergeant Glenn worked for the Perry County Sheriff's Office and Tell City Police Department for almost 20 years. The Indiana State Police publicly offered condolences, quote, to all families involved as well as to the agencies and everyone who served with Officer Sergeant Glenn, unquote. Tell City Police Chief Derek Lawlerlin made a public statement on Monday. He said, our police department has suffered a tremendous loss. I'd like to recognize the courage displayed by all officers involved in this incident. I also recognize that we've lost a citizen in this incident as well. Our thoughts and prayers are not only with our sergeant, but also with the other individual involved and his family. We are a tight-knit community here, a very small, close police department. We ask the support of the community now more than ever to help us take on these challenges in the days ahead. Lastly, I'd like to thank Perry County Memorial Hospital and their staff for a valiant effort that I witnessed this morning. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Chief Derek Longland, Tell City Police Department, said our police department suffered a tremendous loss. We lost a dear colleague, a dear friend, Sergeant Heather Glenn is, um, she's a cornerstone of our department, a cornerstone built on legacy. Heather had the opportunity to work alongside her father, Sergeant Bob Glenn. I recall the early days of my career as I worked alongside Sergeant Bob Glenn, and I had the opportunity to see Heather literally walking in her father's footsteps, Law Allen said, a legacy that ended earlier in July. Glenn's family released the following statement on the Tell City Police Department Facebook page, and it reads, We would like to take the opportunity to express our deepest appreciation for the love and support we have received in response to Heather's passing. Tell City was not only home to Heather, but it was near and dear to her heart. Her actions, both in in and out of uniform, exemplified what it meant to truly serve with dignity and respect. Heather gave so much of her life to her community, and the response to her tragic death only affirms the impact she made in the lives of so many. Through her bravery and selflessness, 
She created a legacy that we must continue in her honor. Though we continue to grieve our loss, it is our hope that her life serves as the standard to which each of us follows by treating others with love and compassion. Heather was truly a hero and will never be forgotten. It is not possible to list everyone who has offered support to our family during this time of need. We are so grateful for the kind words, cards, memorial gifts, donations, and public tributes. We'd like to especially thank Tell City High School and Zoweker Gullick Funeral Home for their hospitality and the Indiana FOP Memorial Team for their support. Lastly, we would like to thank the Tell City Police Department, Perry County Sheriff's Office, Canelton Police Department, Tell City Fire Department, Tell City Street Department, Perry County Volunteer Firefighters, and all others who bravely serve Perry County. You have supported Heather in this life and in our family when we needed it most. Heather was proud to protect our community alongside each of you. On behalf of our family, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Bob, Jane, Jason, and Trace Glenn. Today's show is dedicated to Sergeant Heather Glenn. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law officers, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate this show to all the brave men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this great nation through today and into our hopeful future. We dedicate to them this show, and we dedicate to them with this song, Amazing Grace. May God bless each and every one.
right, and we're back. You're here live listening to Southern Sense on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Internet. Oh, I don't even know where the heck we are. Just go to the name of the show, <laughs> put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. We should have our first guest calling in very shortly, but we have a couple of things we want to talk about before they do. Um, I mentioned that uh, there's a threat of a possible another indictment coming up the pike for Trump. And this this is this is just just does not end. Um <clears throat> but you notice that every time he gets indicted, it's whenever something's gonna break that's derogatory to the Biden family, whether it involves Hunter or creepy Uncle Joe. We don't know. Um but he's gonna be skipping the nine eleven memorial Twenty-two years ago, our nation was attacked by terrorists. Over 3,000 people were killed, and people are still dying from the effects of those terrorist attacks. And he is going to skip the ceremonies. Well, we should have had a hint of that when he walked out of the Medal of Honor ceremony last week, this past week. What a disgrace that was. He pins the Medal of Honor on this this brave Vietnam veteran, a helicopter pilot that fought for 45 minutes to eliminate the Viet Cong surrounding a four-man patrol of Americans and then successfully waved off the attack and rescued those four American servicemen. And pins the Medal of Honor, gives them a salute, shakes the hand, walks off the stage... And you're watching half the people in the audience, military uh, individuals in uniform, wondering what that blaze has just happened now. You don't do that. You stay to the very end of the ceremony, to the end of the dedication given by the chaplain. But he just walked straight on out. What a doddering old fool. And we're going to be talking to Carol Lieberman about that, his body language and everything else we've been looking at lately. But we also learned that in Georgia, when they indicted those other 18 uh, individuals along with Donald Trump, well, Lindsey Graham was recommended by the grand jury to be one of the ones indicted. Uh, He wasn't charged, fortunately, but they also wanted to charge former Senator David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, as well as Michael Flynn, you know, the the former... National Security Advisor General Flynn, who they pillarized uh, while Trump was president, that uh, they threatened to send his son to jail if he didn't plead guilty. Mm-hmm. More dirty tricks, and they wanted to add Flynn into this. Uh, I mean, this is crazy. This is, it is. crazy. It's a, it's a wholesale persecution. And and the effort, you know, to to make it sound like it was this this big old national plot to, um, you know, um, rebuke Biden's win, and it was nothing like that. We we know who their main target is, and it's Trump, and they want him off the ticket in any any possible way, and they think by you know making him a criminal, a felon, he won't be able to run. And it's not going to work, yeah. I don't believe. It's not going to work. As for Biden and him not showing up for um, 
deservances on 9-11. I really don't think they want this man to embarrass himself anymore. So they, they're, they're trying their best to keep, keep him out the limelight. That's what I believe. Well, that's a possibility. But at, he could at least show up at the Pentagon. I mean, it's a short hop from the White House. His handlers will all be around him. I mean, at least sit there in the crowd to show that you're there. But no. No. Um, I don't know if that is our guest coming in on the line or not, uh, Curtis. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I apologize. I don't mean to call the <coughs> microphone, but I have to apologize that uh, until these lungs are cleared up, um, I have to uh, try see what, if I can try to mute myself next time. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, <coughs> excuse me. I am so sorry about that. Uh, we have so much more to talk about as I'm waiting for Curtis to uh, see if that is our guest or not. But uh, this is another thing that I came across in the Epic Times, which I highly recommend, or the Epoch Times, that you can get it, theepochtimes.com. And um, it turns out a Florida physician who had been very outspoken about COVID and COVID-related to- topics lost his license uh, to uh, practice, Dr. John Littell. And then he was able... To get reinstated, but we'll touch on to that a little bit later on. Let's welcome to the show, and welcome back to the show, uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And if I can get my computer here to work, uh, welcome back, Dr. Carol. How are you today? Thank, thank you. Fine, thank you. Yeah, I have to apologize for the confusion going back and forth and how you'd call into the show today. We thought we had the whole new format all worked out last night, and Curtis and I did a dry run and we may, ran into a major glitch. So this is something that's been in the works for like a year now. <laughs> and, yeah. and we we thought we had it. I'm going to get it. It's going to now not be a matter of a year or months or weeks. It'll be a matter of just a matter of days. I'll get it up and running. Then we can see your live smiling face next time you come on the show. <laughs> uh, okay. So, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray, Correct. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> um, before you came on, I was talking about uh, our president, uh, Joe Biden. And of all things he's doing, uh, he's going to not attend any of the 9-11 memorial uh, events. And it's going to be 22 years ago this Tuesday. Matter of fact, I have my field of uh, my flag of heroes hanging outside I hang it from September 1st to the last day of September. And it's got three mm. names of police officers I worked with that died in the Twin Towers rescuing people. Three people I worked, uh-huh. I knew very well in NYPD. So I hang it. And I remember every last one of That's those people. Great. That's and great. He's not going to show up. This is the first time <laughs> yes. a sitting yes. president is not going to be there. Yes, it is horrendous. But it is part of the uh, general plan, the Obama-Biden White House plan, to make us forget 9-11. Now, when 9-11 happened, first of all, I'm a born and bred New Yorker, although I was already living in California at the time. But my heart is still in New York. 
And when 9-11 happened, um, I decided that changed my life. And I decided to dedicate a part of my work to helping people um, deal with 9-11, the memories of 9-11, the after effects of which there are still many of 9-11, but also to become stronger, more resilient for the terror attacks that are to come. And I know people, you know, are sort of complacent about that. But terrorists um, have not gone away. In fact, during the lockdowns, they used that as a great time for recruitment because more people were on the online. But in any case, so I became oh, yeah. the terrorist therapist. And, um, I, you know, I do a podcast, a terrorist therapist show, and I do, I write, I've written two books about terrorism and, um, and just continued to work on that. And for 9-11, um, I, starting th- three years ago, starting for the 20th anniversary, and I'm, I've done it every year since, it's going to happen this year on 9-11, I have a mobile billboard truck going around Ground Zero and uh, Washington, D.C. with my music video on it, playing um, patriotic music and having video of things like all the reasons why we need to never forget 9-11, how parents need to talk to their kids about not just 9-11 but terrorism in general, um, what you might be feeling, what triggers might uh, come up for you, what memories might come up triggering your memories of 9-11 and various things like that. So I send that from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. in these two cities every 9-11. And and if people aren't going to be in either of those two places, they can go to my website and see the video. Yeah, I do have links to your website and your podcast up on the show description page so people okay, can thanks. click on it and go directly to you. You know, I take care of you. Why Why wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I want to make sure that as many people, you know, see this and remember this and realize how important it is um, uh, for, you know, the, the, you're talking about the terroristtherapist.com website, I presume, um, mm-hmm. it, because, because people need, you know, we're gradually, of course, with each new generation, um, people like people weren't some people now who are alive weren't alive on 9/11, and that's why it's so important for families and parents and teachers. Teachers are not teaching about 9/11, most of them, many of them. Um, so it's so important for parents and grandparents to to talk to their kids about this. They can watch movies on um, on streaming sites or you know regular channels. Um, like one good one is Flight 93, which shows the heroism of the of the passengers, you know, who stopped the plane going to Washington D.C., probably the White House, and um, and it landed, even though they knew, you know, by storming the cockpit and all that, that they were going to be part of the ones who died, the plane that landed in the Pennsylvania field, and um, and doing things like going to your house of worship and saying a prayer for the people who died, and you know, it's not just the people who died. Of course, as you were mentioning, it's the first responders, like the three people that you knew. I mean, it's not just the people, the victims in the Twin Towers or in the Pentagon, for example. Um, it's also, of course, and not just the, the, um, not just the first responders who were at the Twin Towers, let's say, when it fell, but all of the people who now have cancer because they were at Ground Zero trying to find the bodies and helping in, in various ways at Ground Zero and the cancerogenic 
um, substances in the building have caused cancer. It's, in, it's almost as many people, if not more, by the end, who will have died from cancer from being at ground zero than people who died at the moment of the, of the attack. Oh, that's so very true. And uh, I was on duty when the towers were attacked the first time, February 26th of 1993. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of my friends went running into that. Um, I was one of the walking wounded waiting for uh, shoulder surgery. So they had me behind the desk. But I was fielding calls from people looking for their relatives in, mm. in the Twin Towers back then. And we, we were forewarned. It would be attacked a second time, and we failed to protect our people and our nation, which makes 9-11 yeah. so much harder for me to, to, to accept. Because I, if you yeah. were living in New York at the time, you remember the reports that were being published by the media explaining why the tax didn't, uh, didn't succeed and what, how the towers could be brought down. They were putting it in major media. Yeah. And what do you yeah. think is going to happen? Yeah, hello, this is the blueprint you need. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yes. And to go back to um, the beginning of what you were asking, I know I kind of went off on a tangent, but I'm so excited about my my, uh, my mobile billboard. But um, to go back to the, the beginning, the Obama-Biden White House, uh, of course, Biden is the puppet of Obama, and Obama made us the most vulnerable to terrorists of any president. Um and so there have been things last year and now this year that ha- they have been doing to make us forget about 9-11. Last year, and I went on a tirade about this last year, um, they let the um, tribute museum, the 9-11 tribute museum, die. It was in difficult I was financial... I about that. Yes, it was in difficult financial straits because of the lockdowns and COVID, because people weren't going to museums. And so um, they needed some money to stay afloat. Well, <laughs> it didn't come from the federal government. It didn't come from anywhere, actually. I mean, there were some people who, who donated, but, you know, that wasn't enough. And certainly either New York or certainly, you know, the buck stops at the White House. Meanwhile, they're giving a ton of money. Well, last year they were giving a ton of money to, new, uh, to hire new IRS agents. Uh, like, that was more mm-hmm. important. And then this year they're giving billions to the Taliban and other terrorist organizations. I mean, it is just unbelievable. Now, the other museum, of course, the National um, Museum and Memorial, I mean, that's a wonderful museum, too. They both had their, had their place. Uh, the the, um, the um, first museum, the one that they let die, uh, was smaller, and it was run by people who were involved on a personal level like the families of the 9-11 victims or the first responders, or I was led around by a docent who actually um, was one of the people who had cancer from the helping out at, at Ground Zero. Wow. Um, and so, and their, the, their exhibits were more like personal to the, the people who were involved. And um, it was a wonderful museum. And, of course, the other museum, the National Museum, is wonderful too in a different way. Both of them were needed. And now <laughs> they're basically trying to kill off the National Museum in a very surreptitious way, and that is that they are making a, um, a congestion charge, they call it, for cars um, going to lower Manhattan, that they're going to have to pay 
$23. That's the number that they've been batting around to come into Lower Manhattan. Well, how many people do you think are going to come into Lower Manhattan if they have to pay $23? So that is going to end up killing, or it has the potential to kill, um, the, the National Museum if, if it goes through. I mean, so far it's, it's gotten all kinds of, the governor of New York has okayed it, the federal um, government has okayed it. I mean, they're still just working out the New Jersey doesn't like it. So, you know, there's still some back and forth. But that's, that's the plan. And um, no, go ahead. Wait, wait, $23 to go into lower Manhattan. <coughs> and what about these taxi and livery drivers they are taking their passengers in? Those fares will go up $23. Yes, um, yes. What about people that need to take their vehicle into lower Manhattan for work? Uh, and that's on a daily basis. How much money is that yes. going to take out of their pockets, out of their paycheck, out of their, their, their yes. earnings? I mean, they, they, and then, they are complaining. <clears throat> But, um, yes, I mean, you know, especially for people who have sort of lower-end jobs, you know, where that, they wouldn't pay to work if they had to pay $23 each time that they came in. It, so it's still, there's still a lot of uh, controversy, but that is the plan that they want to put in. I mean, even just to come up with that plan. and, and, um, and <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. I'm trying to wrap yes. my head around this because now you think about all the vehicles that go into lower Manhattan, uh, whether they're delivering goods or services. So the cost of all items in yes. that one area of Manhattan will climb astronomically. Who's going to go to dinner in lower Manhattan now? Who's going to yes. go to the theater or anything? You're going to kill off businesses and and entertainment and everything else because you, you want to kill a museum? You're going to kill everything. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I mean, of course, they're saying it's to make it so that there are fewer cars in lower Manhattan, like that it, that, that would be better for everybody if there was less traffic. Well, um, you know, not at the expense of what all the things that I mentioned and you mentioned. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. Well, I have I mean, more insane things for you. <laughs> You you mentioned Biden not coming to um, not he's not going to be at any of the sites he's going to be the first president not to be at any of the sites of attack on 9/11 for the commemorations and um, he's going to be in Alaska not that there was ever a terror attack in Alaska maybe they'll start <laughs> since he went there um, but uh, you know that's part of his showing that it is not important to remember 9/11 that's part of it the other part of it is that he had come up with another great idea, which was, or Obama did, which was, because Obama allowed lots of terrorists uh, who were in Guantanamo, he sent them home, and they, of course, are continuing in terrorist activities. So they wanted to get rid of all the terrorists um, in in Guantanamo, Uh, Obama did. And now, of course, uh, Biden is following his lead. And there was a plan that was made to let the five remaining 9-11 terrorists in Guantanamo have a plea deal so that they won't get the death penalty. Well, Another topic to say, I put aside for you. Yes. Needless to say, the families of the victims were outraged. And, and of course, doing this, putting this across, you know, send, they sent a letter out 
to the families. And they sent it um, in August. And, uh, you know, so in the run-up to 9-11, they send this, this letter out. I mean, clearly that was a huge mistake. And so the families were outraged, and they sent a letter to Biden and so on. And now um, he is saying, he's walking it back. You know, somebody must have tapped him on the shoulder and said, this is really bad optics. So he walked it back, and he's saying that the reason why he's not going to go forward with this now is because in the plea deal, it includes their, the terrorists being able to continue to have meals and prayers together which brings up the point that I think a lot of people didn't know that they were having meals and prayers together now or for all the years they've been there. I mean, really, these 9-11 terrorists, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was the architect of 9-11, they deserve to have um, meals and prayers together, you know, to, uh, to socialize. Um, I, I mean, it's just absurd. So, you know, part of why he's in Alaska is because he doesn't want to face the families of the victims. No, as a matter of fact, um, Brett Eagleson, who is basically the spokesperson for these families, was on Newsmax uh, just last night. I was watching him. Very impressive young man. And he was only 15 when his father was killed in the South Tower 22 years ago. I mean, there's a huge hole in their life. There's no closure here. And in a lot of these families, they never recovered any remains because the fires were so hot, there was nothing to recover. Yes, yes. So where's the closure? There's no funeral. There's, 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 there's no final goodbye. At least this gave them something to hold on to. Yes, um, yes, being able to commemorate it every year. And um, as, as all Americans need to do, um, you know, there's something else. I mean, it keeps getting, like, more and more unbelievable things that I'm telling you. Um, worst of well, I don't know, it's hard to say which is the worst, but uh, on top of all this, the mayor of New York, Mayor Adams, came up with his own plan in the lead-up to 9-11, and that is he's going to give mosques loudspeakers or let them use their own loudspeakers, to broadcast the call to prayer um, on Fridays and during the month of Ramadan. Now, that's what it is now, but the call to prayer in mosques is really every day, several times a day, so it might increase. But even if it was just once on Fridays and Ramadan, that will be so horrible to the people that you're going to be able to hear it for half a mile in each direction. And so imagine what that will do in terms of triggering PTSD for all the people in New York. It's an outrage, not to mention uh, in calling for or starting or increasing or however you want to look at it, Islamophobia. Uh, yeah, but if you were a Christian on the, on the corner... Uh, proselytizing or just, you know, handing out pamphlets, um, you, you're you subject to arrest for being a public nuisance. Uh, heaven forbid you're handing out pamphlets, now you're littering. Uh, they'll do anything to cut, to take out that voice. Yes. But if, if someone that is associated with the terrorists uh, just, it just is out there blaring, Something that's going to be heard city wide, half a mile between each mosque, 
That's going to be citywide. And three times no, a day. And that's what the call to prayer is. Three times a day, every single day. Talk about driving people crazy. That's not a drive. Yeah. That's a very short putt. Yes, yes. It, it, I know it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens when it starts. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if it has started yet or he's probably going to wait until. Uh, but, I mean, who gives these people the, well, we do, by voting them in. I mean, you know, the thing is Americans have to take responsibility <coughs> for voting these people in and for not paying more attention to what they're really about before voting for them. Yeah, and I I was going to add that, um, you know, at some point you would think most New Yorkers would say, you know, enough is enough of this, you know, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, why why aren't aren't they storming um, Adam's? Well, there's so much to storm Adam's office about (laughs) This is, you know, perhaps the most important thing, but also um, the fact that the city is becoming overrun with migrants. But he's blaming that on uh, Governor Abbott and uh, Governor DeSantis sending busloads of migrants to to Manhattan. But it was Mayor Adams himself that made New York City a sanctuary city for illegal aliens. I will not call them a migrant. I am going to call them what they are, illegal aliens. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Yes, he welcomed them in at the beginning, and he didn't realize just how... How how many um, and really again the buck stopped at the Biden Obama Biden White House for letting the borders um, be so permeable and you know talk about there there are terrorists coming in both from the south and the north borders uh, these are people on the terrorist watch list who are coming in who they caught so imagine how many other people other terrorists are coming in who they didn't catch yeah you know, and we, I. I was just going to say I heard that um, more recently there was discovered that the Biden administration is secretly and quietly removing some of the walls down at the southern border that um, Trump had put up. Have you heard that? Yes. There was uh, um, something where yesterday, I think it was, uh, a judge um, said that it was okay for him to remove the walls. And then today I read something that a, a judge I don't know, maybe a different judge or a, a said that it, he couldn't, he put, a, he put a stop to it, a temporary stop to it. Oh, good, But it's good, just good. crazy. It is just crazy. I mean, that's not necessarily that it's going to be a permanent stop, but um, it, it is just awful. I mean, it was, Texas did a smart thing with putting the floaters um, in the water, making it hard to um, to come across these these inflatable barriers, you know, these, um, uh, like, tubes um, in the middle of the water. I mean, all these things, it's, it's, it's bad in New York, but it must be even worse in, like, Arizona and Texas and, um, well, and California, you know, our governor, governor um, is doing all kinds <laughs> of crazy things. Oh, gruesome Newsom. Gruesome Newsom, yes. we call him. <laughs> Yes. And he wants to run for president. <laughs> yes. If he got to be president, you know, he's he's been trading on his good looks 
uh, to get to be governor, like all the way to get to be governor. Um, and if he, if you know, because Biden might well not make it to uh, 2024 in, in terms of when the election uh, is held, if he's the candidate, he might not. By then, um, either he'll have some kind of physical meltdown or he's going to have an increasing uh, mental meltdown where people will can't won't be able to say, oh, well, that's just go- Joe's gaffes, which I've been talking about since he ran for president from his basement about how he has encroaching dementia. Yeah, we, we, you and I discussed that when I was asking what you were saying. You and I both saw the same thing, which is, again, mm-hmm. in the list of things I have here to talk to you about. <laughs> uh, because, you know, because I, I was watching the clip of where he was at the Medal of Honor ceremony for this Vietnam yes. vet. Yes. And I was completely aghast when I saw him uh, halfway through the ceremony walk off the stage and yeah and my mouth just dropped open and when the the camera panned in on this heroic vietnam veteran who rescued four americans that were surrounded by viet cong and fought off the viet cong for them for 45 minutes i watched his face and he was trying to smile but you could see the hurt and anger in his eyes and yes, it was so it was, palatable. Uh, My heart broke for that man. Yes, yes, that was just so awful. I mean, but, you know, it's just like um, what he did when the 13 bodies came back in coffins from Afghanistan, and he was looking at his watch, you know, at the ceremony, and he's talking about his son, Bo, who he, you know, alleges, died in because of the war and a fighting terrorist or whatever when really he died of brain cancer now it's true that there were chemicals that caused cancer there in the gulf but but you know he makes it seem like he was on that bo was on the front lines um yeah so yes all of that was terrible absolutely now i wasn't being disrespectful the name of the medal of honor recipient i didn't have the piece of paper in front of my hands was army captain larry taylor 81 years old. And it, it, it is such a shame that this man was disrespected. Yes. <clears throat> and he was awarded for the Medal of Honor for June 1968 battle in Vietnam, where he braved intense ground fire for 45 minutes while making low-level attack runs, firing bullets and aerial rockets at the enemy surrounding U.S. troops. He used his two-man Cobra helicopter to extract the four-man patrol safely. Yes. He was such a, uh, you know, he could could run the country better than Biden. Yes, it was so, and of course, Biden didn't have a mask on, even though he wants everybody else to wear a mask. And, you know, his wife came down with COVID, so it's possible that he was infected, uh, although, you know, oh, he, 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 he took the mask off. He took the mask off just before he put the Medal of Honor around that man's <laughs> neck. You, are, uh, you were within breathing room of this 81-year-old yeah. man who could be compromised because of his age if this idiot had COVID. So he takes the mask yeah. off. You, know, you would think you would leave the mask on to protect this hero. Yes. But no. Yes, especially the exact because opposite. So- because of the man's age, where he's more, if he got COVID, he would be more, 
likely to get a more serious case. So, yes, all of that is just awful. Dr. Lieberman, and, I, have a, I have a friend who told me that uh, <clears throat> she feared COVID so much because of the publicity behind it and everything that she stayed in her home for a whole year. Now, that's mm-hmm. an adult. What kind of psychological effect must it have had for children who had to go to school and wear a mask all day and, and fear for their lives and things like that? Well, it it has had a terrible effect on children. I was actually writing op-eds while this was uh, at the beginning of, of, the, of COVID and lockdowns and so on, trying to say what a bad effect this is going to have on kids. And lo and behold, it is. Um, because I mean, it had a bad effect on all of us. Like, we're all so angry. Uh, we came out of the lockdown so angry. You know, we're seeing this air rage, road rage, all kinds of rage, uh, which is for a number of reasons. And for kids, too, um, you know, they spent a lot of their time uh, watched playing violent video games during lockdown. And violent video games make people more aggressive um, the more hours you watch. And so, lo and behold, they came out and, and, you know, now, but now we're all more aggressive, whoever was also watching these hours of video games. But besides that, it had the impact of making kids feel lost, depressed, lost, no hope. And to some degree, that happened to all of us. It is happening to all of us. Like, we were all hanging in there, waiting for the new normal, expecting, like, the light at the end of the tunnel. So then we came out. And now the economy is bad, and, um, you know, we're having all different kinds of problems. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're all kind of disappointed and angry, and that's, that's really what, what all this anger is coming out in addition. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, because the kids are so lost, that is what is making them more vulnerable to the teachers and social media who want to tell them, who have been telling them, that, yes, you know, you're depressed and you're anxious and you're this and you're that, and that's because you're born in a girl's body, but you're really a boy and vice versa. And so they are so vulnerable to anything that is offered to them as a solution, as the grass is greener. And now, of course, you know, they're getting pronouns and and, uh, hormones and surgery, and um, they're finding out, the ones who have gone through it, are finding out, no, this is not the answer. Well, you've opened up a subject that is so ripe with a wealth of information because they're also finding that these kids at home, while they were on their smart devices, unmonitored, were being groomed for these sexual transformations. They were being groomed to be part of the sex trade. Uh, these kids were also watching pornography, and if you show pornography to kids at a young age, they will grow up to be far more aggressive than when they are finally exposed to it as adults. Uh, there's so many things that have affected the development of a whole generation of children that we have actually lost because of this lockdown. Uh, they're lower IQs because they're not getting the stimuli mentally to help their brains to form and function properly. They're being buried behind masks and adults are behind masks. They can't understand the social signals of the face. 
Um, there's so many things that yeah. are addressed with this lockdown that we could probably spend the next several days talking about this and never get to the bottom of the whole entire subject. Yes, yes. Um, it really, it, it, you know, being for all those hours also on social media, you know, was really harmful too. I mean, because like some of the people were putting things like showing, oh, I just got my surgery. I just got, you know, a mastectomy to, uh, to get rid of my boobs, my growing boobs. Um, and they get all these likes, they get all this attention, so then they go further. And, um, you know, just, and then other things like uh, some people would, uh, lots of people would make their pictures more, um, you know, look better than they really are in real life or, and take pictures, make it, make it look like they were doing things that were exciting. And then the other kids were thinking, well, how come they're doing these things? And um, I, I mean, so they were jealous. And then, of course, there was the bullying online. So um, it really, this whole thing, and now, of course, you know, now, uh, surprise, surprise, COVID is coming back, or so they say, uh, right in time for the elections. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, of course, the uh, the voting polls will be closed down. And, again, vote by mail and then ballot harvesting and stuff to boxes. Oh, no, we don't see a repeat of the last uh, presidential election cycle, not in the least bit. But also, with these kids going online, they're no longer socially interacting with children of their age group. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, not, they're not developing these social skills. They're not forming friendships and relationships that will last their entire life. All they have are these avatars that are now suddenly their friends, and the more numbers that show up as friends under their screen name, Mm, the mm -hmm. better they feel. So now I've got all these friends online. They're not your friends. They never have been and they never will be because you don't understand what a real friend is because you've been locked down, you've been brainwashed, and you've been socially segregated so that you don't develop those things. So now we, the government, can control your actions better. Because we know better, and you're going to listen to us for the rest of your life, and you will be dependent upon us for the rest of your life. You will serve at the altar of government and not at the altar of God. Mm-hmm. You think I get a little mm-hmm. angry here? <laughs> yes, but we all need to get very angry. Absolutely. That's the only way things are going to change. And, you know, um, the thing about, uh, as I think I might have been mentioning already, in, in terms of 9-11, the, you know, people... People have developed all kinds of um, psychological issues still um, that are remnants of 9-11. I mean, of course, PTSD, but anxiety, depression, all kinds of things. But the worst thing that the people got and that they, they passed down to their kids, or I should say like their kids absorbed this from living with them during 9-11 and the subsequent years, is helplessness. And that has made people... Mm-hmm you know, both the people who were alive on that day and then their children made them more feel like they're helpless. And so when all these horrible things are happening in our, in America, um, unfortunately, the, the, um, the effect of 9-11 is making people feel like they're helpless to do anything about it. And what's going to happen to these individuals when the next attack occurs? I don't say if, I say when. We already know men 
of military age have been coming across the border from Middle Eastern nations, uh, from communist-held nations, uh, from China, uh, as well as drug cartels and their soldiers coming across. We have armies of enemies staging on our land now. And that's not an exaggeration. Because once they cross over the border, they're given a little piece of paper and said, well, you're going to have a court date with the judge, and we're going to decide your immigration status. Oh, but by the way, we have a backlog of about five years right now. So have a nice life for the next five years. And then you just may take that piece of paper, remember that I gave it to you, and you just may show up in court. Or otherwise, you wait long enough, and the next idiot progressive administration comes in and will grant you amnesty so you'll become a citizen anyway. Just wait long enough. Just hold hold on. (laughs) But meanwhile, that military-aged individual is waiting for orders from back home of when to attack us. And we already know the Chinese have been stealth attacking us left and right already. We've got the Muslim Brotherhood that has infiltrated so many different areas of our government and schools and yes. institutions attacking us already, and we're too blind to see or do anything yes. about it. Yes, yes. You know, I, I mentioned that I do a ter- the terrorist therapist show, and, um, and so I keep up with what is happening. There are, people don't realize, there are attacks um, around the world Every single day, terror attacks, every single day in all different countries, um, Africa, uh, well, Europe, of course. Is, Europe is, is the warning, and I've been saying this. In Europe, we should look at Europe and realize that this is what is going to happen to us, is happening to us. Europe has been overrun by migrants, most from uh, terrorist countries, and um, they are committing, you know, we just had a month or two ago, they set all the fires in France um, because they mm-hmm. were angry because um, a young man, a teenager actually, was stopped at a, at a, by a policeman um, because he was doing various traffic infractions and the, he, didn't, he didn't want to stop. And so he kept going with the gas and the, the policeman had his gun up and that by the man um, uh, going forward in the car pushing the accelerator that caused the gun to go off and to hit him in the chest rather than it was pointed at his legs originally. So that uh. was used as the flashpoint to, um, to attack. And there were all kinds of attacks. There were fires. There were, you know, uh, of course, looting and, and uh, uh, destroying cars and everything and anything. And that is what is going to happen here. It's already beginning to happen here. And why? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you didn't have to be a brain surgeon to figure this out. Well, I got to tell you, Newsmax printed an article written by Tony Perkins with Representative Chip Roy, a Republican out of Texas. It appeared on August 31st, and it's titled, <coughs> "Excuse me, Rising Anti-Christian Sentiment Finds Its Way to Finland," where Finland charged. A member of parliament, I can't even try to pronounce her name, who has served honorably since 1996, as well as a Christian bishop for supporting Christian conservative perspective on marriage and sexuality, charged them with hate crimes in Finland Mm -hmm. for simply believing in your faith. But we're already hearing that over here. Heaven forbid we're pro-life and we go out 
uh, onto the street corner and talk about it, we're arrested for being a public nuisance or hate speech. Or if we turn around and say, listen, we don't completely agree with your transgender lifestyle, whatever. We believe God made man and woman, and biologically, you're born what you're born, and you can't change your DNA. That's hate. That's hate speech. Or, in my case, I speak out about COVID. I'm tossed off uh, YouTube uh, several times, Facebook recently a couple of times, and Lord knows wherever else they kicked me off of. But I wear that as a badge of honor. But we yes. got this already yes. censorship. <laughs> yes, I was kicked off um, LinkedIn of all places for writing stuff about uh, COVID, um, and of course now, although it it supposedly has been there was losses, so it's been taken off the books now. But uh, our Gusum Newsom uh, put a law <laughs> you out like that. that one. <laughs> um, yes, I do like that one. Uh, I may use that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he put a law out about uh, risk, you know, threatening to take away the licenses, just like what you were saying about the doctor in Florida, which, you know, it's kind of surprising that that was in Florida. But, um, but anyhow, taking away the license of doctors in California who tell people not to have the vaccine or not to wear the mask or things like that or to, or to um, use hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin instead of whatever they're pushing. Yeah. Well, Dr. Lieberman, it has been always a pleasure. We've got to have you coming back on soon. We we have too much fun with you, and there's so many things to delve into. <laughs> well, but, thank uh, you. There I enjoy talking link, with you. Link on the show page to your podcast, The Terrorist Therapist Podcast, uh, also to your website, and your book is up there also, the award-winning, five-time award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists. Oh, my how to protect your child in a time of terror. God bless you for the hard work you do, Dr. Carol. Thank you so much. All right. Check out her website, Dr. Carol Lieberman. What a lady. I want to bring in our guest, Heritage has sent us this week. Welcome back to EJ Antoni, another paisano. Good afternoon, Antoni. How are you doing? Well, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Man, we had some of the stuff that we were talking with Dr. Carol Lieberman actually dovetails into something I pulled aside for you uh, because you are a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget. And I came across this article, which actually blew my mind. It appeared in um, com. Uh I saw it somewhere else also, and it's titled Commentary. FEMA money is for disaster-stricken Americans, not those here illegally. Now, our great, wonderful administration in the White House and those in Congress have been doing funny money with FEMA uh, dollars, and they're not going to Americans in disaster-stricken areas as they should be, are they? Oh, goodness. I I mean, it it really just seems like a a pattern with this administration to say one thing uh, and to do another or or to tell the American people one thing when something else is really going on. I I think it's uh, well, let me put it this way. When they're trying to message Bidenomics, what do they do? They tell people how great everything is and they tell the American people, don't believe your lying eyes and don't believe your empty wallets. Things are great. 
Uh, maybe, you know, you're just too stupid to notice how great they are, but things are really great. But the American people know better because they're living the results of Bidenomics every day. You know, when I, I looked at this, and um, I'm looking at some of the numbers that they fudged, and they want to give um, – let me find out where it is here uh, – Emergency Food and Shelter Program has had siphoned off over $332 million to assist communities receiving non-citizens released from custody. Now, that's not a natural disaster. That's a man-made disaster. Matter of fact, that's a government-made disaster. So why is FEMA paying for this? They're also uh, giving money and funding, the funneling through FEMA, to uh, the non-government agencies, the NGOs. Uh, a lot of them are like through the Catholic bishops, the Lutheran church, that are making hand over fist money for their organizations by handling these illegal aliens, and I'm not going to call them migrants, to assist them with housing, food, health care, and transportation through grants. Um, Lord knows how much is going there. Now, New York City, uh, good Lord, my old stomping grounds, uh, Eric Adams, all of a sudden he's upset about all the illegal immigrants, I'm sorry, aliens that he's had in his city, as well as the increased homelessness. Oh, you never, heaven forbid, promised them $104 million from FEMA. Now, they burn through a rate of $8 million a, a day handling these illegal aliens. And $104 million, I did a quick run in my head, just Correct me if I'm wrong, that'll last them a total of 13 days, not even two weeks, to handle illegal aliens through FEMA. So what happens when that $104 million runs out? They're going to ask for another and another and another and keep on getting it, right? Right, but at least they can ask for it and get it. Conversely, look at what they've done with, uh, with our petroleum reserves in this country, where the Biden administration has now essentially reduced the, the strategic reserve, the government stockpile, by about half. Uh, and now, now that that's no longer being drawn down, we're seeing private reserves coming down. Total, total stockpiles in this country of crude oil, I think, are at the lowest level since uh, 1985. I mean, the Energy Information Administration, so these are the Biden administration's own numbers, say that we have, uh, I think, only 25 days of supply. So that's not even that, that one-month threshold that we would need, theoretically, in the case of a crisis. But what, what you're telling me reminds me of, of a recent Tucker Carlson interview. I, I think Colonel McGregor was, was the gentleman that, that he was interviewing, and, and the colonel brought up a very fascinating stat. It's sad, but, but still fascinating, that – what the what the typical migrant is getting in, into this country, and you can call them migrants, you can call them illegal aliens, whatever. The, the typical person who who shows up at our border and wants to come in is getting from this administration uh, what are essentially welfare payments that amount to more on a monthly basis uh, than what your typical social security recipient is getting. So the American who worked their whole life and paid into the system is actually getting less than the person who literally just shows up here having contributed nothing at all. You know, that's, that's highly ironic. You mentioned Social Security because when my husband had passed away two and a half years ago, had he lived a mere two and a half hours longer, because he passed away on the 30th of June, two and a half hours longer, 
I would have received his monthly check. But because he passed away before the stroke of midnight happened, Social Security said, no, that's, that's forfeit. And that was a mere $865. Now, can you imagine how many Social Security recipients are receiving funds as low as that? Um, I have a gentleman I know very well. He receives only 1600 He has no other income or anything. How do you pay rent and food? You don't. Well, cer- certainly not at today's prices, right? I mean, with Bidenflation, e- even with a, a full-time job, it's difficult to, to pay for your food and your rent, let alone your transportation costs. Uh, but, I mean, Social Security, people need to realize, it is, is a Ponzi scheme. That's not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at how the program was set up, it's not as if you pay into the program and the money is in some special account for you. You are paying for today's retirees. And in the future, we're going to need more workers to pay for you when you go to retire. And so what happens is it it works just like a a pyramid marketing scheme or a Ponzi scheme. So people need to realize these programs are not sustainable. uh, They don't work, and and they need to be either drastically reformed and overhauled or or just simply uh, abolished at some point in the future because they are 100% not sustainable and they not only are they not sustainable but they don't even help the vast majority of people they actually hurt people and and your husband is a classic uh, example of that if it wasn't if his money wasn't in social security if it was in some kind of private retirement account what would have happened the balance would have just simply gone to to his next of kin or whoever was in his will you know whatever the Uh case may be but you would have received all of all of those all of that money that he had paid into all of those years while he was working. Instead, what happened? The government just keeps it. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you brought up several things that I had points to make, because as we are losing our uh, population because of low birth rates, and now with this new transgenderism, we're losing whole generations of children that will never bear children in the future. We've already lost generations through abortion. Uh, So we're down, really down on workers. Hence, we now are importing illegal aliens to be these future workers. That's if they ever decide to actually work on the books, then maybe they'll pay into Social Security and fund the system, which could be a good reason why they're looking for amnesty for these illegal aliens. Uh, But you're also looking at when you mentioned that we pay into Social Security our entire adult working life. Should you die before you start collecting Social Security, that money does not go to your family. That money stays in the government coffers. You earned that money. That money is yours, and you gave it to the government to hold for you in a non-interest-bearing accounts, mind you, to pay you when you hit retirement age. He said, government, uh, Uncle Sam, hold this for me because I'm too irresponsible to take care of myself. So you're going to force me to give you and hold my money for me. Don't pay me any interest. Don't worry about that. You're doing me a favor. And then pay me back when I turn age 65 or whatever it is I decide to take my Social Security. And then if you die one day after you get your Social Security, who gets the rest of that money? No one. And in my case, if a person dies two and a half hours before the stroke of midnight, I don't even get the measly monthly check. So where does that money go? That locked box has been broken, right? 
Well, but but see, that's the point. There was never a lockbox to begin with. That was always a lie. You know, that, that was an example of how these, these government programs are sold to the American people one way, but the reality is completely different. It's just, you know, and, and what FDR did in, in getting these programs in place uh, and what LBJ did in getting his programs in place is no different than what the Biden administration did to get the Inflation Reduction Act passed. It, it was sold to the American people as something that would reduce inflation. Instead, it's doing exactly the opposite. So with Social Security, you know, your money is not going into some lockbox. Your money that you pay in today is immediately going to pay for some current retiree's benefits. And so you have to hope and pray that when you retire, there's going to be new workers who are going to be paying for your benefits because otherwise the money's not there because the money you put in, it did not get saved. Yeah, no, I, I loved it because someone turns around and he goes, well, um, you're on government-subsidized programs. I said, what are you talking about? Well, you're on Medicare. You're on Social Security. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They take money out of my Social Security check, which is money I deposited with the government to get me back when I retired, but they take out those funds every month to pay for the premium for the insurance, which is called Medicare, not Medicaid. So what government assistance program am I on? When it, that is my money. And when they shoot these programs and say, well, senior citizens, um, they're, they're siphoning all the money off, and we're not going to have any money when we all retire, so we've got to cut their benefits. We've got to do this. We it's, as you said, a Ponzi scheme. It is a shell game, and the public is falling for it. Right. You know, if, if you tried to set up a private business this way, some kind of, you know, private uh, in, investment firm, let's say, and this was the model you presented to the federal. <laughs> exactly. And if this was the model you presented to the federal regulators, uh, they would automatically reject it because, again, it is a Ponzi scheme. And if you went ahead and did it anyway uh, over the regulators' objections, as you just said, you would go to jail. Unless you're Biden. <laughs> Oh, Unless your name's goodness. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, there's so much to talk about when we get into this and, and what the numbers they're playing with, with our, our budget. And um, we actually don't even have true conservatives in Congress that can put together a responsible budget that will draw down our government. And with inflation... Uh, one of the articles that you wrote recently uh, said that the American worker, even though wages are technically on the books showing they're ticking upward, inflation reduces that actual hourly wage, and they're getting actually $4 an hour less than what they should be getting. Right. You know, the Biden administration really loves to tout the fact that wages have increased, and, and you know, to their credit, that part of the story is true. With with this latest report from, uh, uh, with you know, that includes the August numbers, we've seen the average hourly earnings for you know American workers rise 13 percent. That's a great pace in such a short amount of time. Here's the problem: inflation's up 17 percent, and people are working fewer hours today because businesses have had to cut back hours. And so, once you combine all of these different effects, you find that the what people are actually taking home at the end of the week is down almost 5% in terms of what that paycheck can actually buy. So what what does this look like for a typical American family? The typical American family's weekly paycheck 
has gone up about $230, which, again, is great. The problem is it buys about $100 less. And so what, what ends oh, yeah. up happening over the course of a year is that's about $5,300 that you have essentially taken out of that family's budget. You can basically buy, again, typical American family, $5,300 a year less than you could when Biden took office. You know, I, I, I cringe every time I go past the gas station uh, because um, – just before the election that was lost by President Trump, not uh, I paid a total sixty a dollar sixty five a gallon because I used a discount card. It was a dollar eighty five. I get twenty cents off a gallon. I paid a dollar sixty five. I put gas in my car the other day, and my car has a small tank, only thirteen gallons, and I'm looking at the thing tick up and up and up and up and I'm paying $3.39 here in South Carolina. Heaven knows what you're paying in California, D.C., New York, or any of these high liberal states. How can you even afford to drive your vehicle to work when you're paying that much for gas? Well, I think that's part of the reason why credit card debt just broke a trillion dollars in this country, despite the fact that the interest rate on those credit cards is at a record high. People don't really have an alternative when they can't afford to put a roof over their head uh, and, and gas in the tank and groceries in the back seat. I mean, you're, you're right. Gasoline today is up 60 percent compared to when Biden took office and diesel's up 47 percent. Natural gas is up 25 uh, propane is up 23. Your your uh, electricity bill is up 24%. And even if you want to make the argument that, look, because of lower demand during the pandemic, uh, you know, oil prices were lower and that reduced prices for things like gasoline. Uh, okay, fine. I, I totally understand that. But you still have to somehow reconcile the fact that the average price of a barrel of oil, which, again, is going to determine things like the price of gasoline and diesel and other things, uh, the average price of a barrel of oil under Biden is 50% higher than the average price of a barrel of oil under President Trump. So clearly there's more going on here than just a kind of base effect from the pandemic and from when Biden took office. We're talking about the real effect of policy here. Absolutely. Matter of fact, you look at credit card debt, you mentioned that, and I took a really good hard look at mine recently, and some of these card interest rates are over 20%. And that's crazy. So I'm going through a debt consolidation plan right now to eliminate all these high interest credit cards. I'm, I'm cutting them up. I'm, I'm paying them completely off, cutting them up. Uh, I'm going to be doing it through home equity, which I'm only going to be paying a 6% interest rate compared to uh, 20, 29, 30%, which for me, it saves me thousands of dollars a month. But what about a family that can't afford that and they need those credit cards just to get by because of inflation? It's crazy out there, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. But, uh, EJ, we do have a caller, a friend of the show, that wants to ask a question. Let me bring him on so he can. Uh, Pianki, good afternoon. we got EJ and Tony from the Heritage Foundation. Do you have a question for him, sir? Well, you know, I agree with the gasoline price because you're absolutely right. For about three years, I paid around $1.65 when Trump was in office. But the tragedy is that uh, the Biden administration is going after these industries like the exploration and extraction of resources out of the ground, that being petroleum, like up in Alaska. He's killing projects. 
And he's killing that industry where you have hundreds, if not thousands, of retirees that depend on that industry for their retirement. And also young, inspiring engineers who's going into those fields in the areas of petroleum, chemical, mechanical, and other engineering projects, which pays a damn good salary where families can become established and don't have to depend on credit cards as much. That there is, in fact, is a tragedy. It's not being talked about as much. EJ? No, you know, those are those are some really great points. A lot of people uh, remember that on Biden's first day in office, he killed the Keystone XL pipeline. But most people yeah. don't remember that he also halted all oil and, and natural gas activity uh, up in the Arctic and in, in the uh, you know yeah. in, in the Anwar region. Well, what did mm-hmm. he do just a few days ago? He, well, the Biden administration basically said, "Oh, just kidding. That's not a temporary pause anymore. It's now permanent. We are revoking all of the leases." all of the permits for that entire area. We're talking millions of acres here, which, I mean, it's particularly terrible when you think about the fact that to set up one of these wells that can literally drill not just straight down but horizontally and go for miles in any direction, uh, you're talking about less than an acre of land that you need for that wellhead. It's not as if we are uh, despoiling half of of anwar we are taking what is what is mostly frozen wasteland frankly with little to no life there and and we are setting up shop on less than an acre of land but but now that has all gone out the window and so what this administration has done by imposing higher taxes uh, by reducing the number of of leases of permits by creating what is probably the most hostile work environment in the history of, of the American fossil fuel industry is they are throttling supply, and as you reduce supply, you increase prices. It is that simple. This is Econ 101. Well, I've got a question for you here, EJ. Comment. All right, I, I was just going to make a comment. What, what comment agents... Okay, hurry up, Peggy, because I'm down to the last why five minutes here. Federal, why do states allow the federal government to control that land? There's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government the okay to own land of that nature. Forts, magazines, and ports, not land. That land belongs to Alaska, and the benefits should go to Alaskans like they do in a small scale. What Joe Biden and the federal government is doing, I think, is totally, totally wrong. Thank you. You know, you, you bring up a great point on, on the constitutionality of all of this. And when you look at some of the, the states out west, for example, where something like half of the land in the entire state is owned by the federal government, you scratch your head and you say, how on earth is this constitutional? Well, we have to remember that things like the Federal Reserve are actually not constitutional either. Uh, and, and yet the Democrat Woodrow Wilson managed to force that through Congress back in 1913, and we've had it ever since. So uh, unfortunately, these days, just because something is unconstitutional, that's no longer a guarantee that it won't happen. You know, uh, it brings up a point of one of the points I wanted to bring up to you, because there's three uh, court cases going to the Supreme Court, and I'm running out of time. I would have loved to go over this with you. That would have shaken up the administrative state within government and then freed up a lot of regulations, a lot of things that are in the budget that are not constitutional. Uh, For example, um, the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, with having the administrative law judges that are employees of whatever administration, they're the ones deciding uh, 
the cases being brought before them, of course they're going to find for the administration they work for and not for the person challenging it. Um, there's also, excuse <coughs> me, uh, where the, uh, what the heck is this one now? Um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they don't get the money through the budget. They go straight to the Federal Reserve, which, again, bypasses Congress, who controls the purse, which, again, is unconstitutional. So there's a lot of things coming up that may start to help rein in government, but we can keep our fingers crossed, EJ, and that's going to have to be for another time and another show, and you definitely have to come back soon. Well, thank you for having me. It is our pleasure, and people can find you at heritage.org, where you do marvelous work over there, and check out your articles over on their website there, too. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Oh, and you can find me on Twitter, too, at RealEJAntoni. We'll have to make sure that we're following each other, then, because <laughs> I'm up there, too. I got the little blue check mark. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank uh, Bianchi for the call-in and EJ for joining us, um, as well as Dr. Carol Lieberman. We had a great show, Curtis. It went by pretty fast and a lot of fun. And we will be back next week. Uh, Mark Tapscott will be with us next week, and I don't know yet who from Heritage. So we'll have ourselves lined up good, great shows and everything else coming up. And to let people know, uh, on Wednesdays with Vicki Tompkins, uh, we do a show called Moms Across America, and I'm going to have to get a link for that and put that up on my show page, too, so Almost people can certainly. see what we do. Um, it's a great little half hour, uh, fa- real fast. It's the two of us uh, talking sometimes. We have a guest, whatever, different subjects, and we go anywhere and everywhere. Uh, even though I'm not a mom, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the mother of my movement here, so. yeah. <laughs> and the mother what of time? seven cats. <laughs> that, that makes me a mom in a way. <laughs> But what that's all we got for now. Yep. Uh, that's all we got for now. So I'm going to leave you with a song from my friend uh, Gary Pecorella, and it's called Save America. So I say to you all, good night, and God bless, and see you back here next Friday. Same bat time, same bat station.
Love and lost, then we see. 